Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody, it is Trags Mike Petralia back with this week's episode of the Red Sox Beat, powered by the CLNS Media Network and our good friends, our official online gaming partner, betonline.ag. Joining me again this week is Alex Barth of 98.5, the sports hub covering all things Boston sports for 98.5, the sports hub. You should be following him already on Twitter. He is a great follow at real Alex Barth. How are you, bud? I'm good. I finally, the news we've been waiting uh, 10 years for the Patriots red uniforms are back. So I'm, I'm fired up about that. Oh, that's right. God, you know, you, you know, I'm a big draft guy. The NBA draft is this week. So, you know, big, big, uh, big, uh, couple days here for my niche interests within sports. I'm, I'm excited. The NBA finals are over. They ended in a disappointing fashion. Uh, the day after we recorded our last Red Sox beat podcast, just not meant to be uh, this year. What did you think of the U.S. Open? A lot of fun. Oh, that was great. That, that yeah. was awesome. And then what an ending too. It's, yes. it's a shame they don't have it here more. And I know that that's not totally within the hands of the USGA, but you know, now that, you know, they don't tournament TPC Boston anymore. There, it, It's a shame that there's no more golf. I know there's a tournament in Connecticut, but Connecticut's not New England. It's a shame that there's no more, pro golf you know yearly fixture in in the greater boston area so hopefully that gets changed soon soon because i think you know we showed around here that, that we're up for it and and we've got some great courses for it and all that so hopefully the pga comes back soon and it's a great time of year in new england as you know the yeah. weather is starting to turn gorgeous um beautiful yes. today storms but uh, man the great weather for the finish at the country club in brookline you know what we do have we have a red hot baseball team to talk about yeah Boston red Sox. they are on some kind of roll look we have been talking on this very podcast alex you and me about the red Sox are going to catch we're going to catch fire their offense was going to come around and it's not so much been the offense i mean they've had their spurts where they've mashed certainly that is not to be denied but their starting pitching has been just tremendous and you know with uh, Tuesday night's five to four win over the uh, Detroit Tigers at Fenway uh, Rich Hill getting the victory and uh, how about um, John Schreiber getting the save he has been one of the most under uh, hyped uh, storylines on the Red Sox I think this year and uh, I guess we'll start there about uh, the way the Red Sox pitching has really carried this team to uh, what right now uh, is a very impressive 38 and 31 mark. Uh, impressive after how they started. And now they are just a half or a half game behind second place 
Toronto, uh, still 12 and a half behind the Yankees. Yeah, you know, kind of what you said there, I think it's a double-edged sword where obviously you have guys pitching well above the expectations and all of that, but the worry becomes they're going to come back down to earth. Is it sustainable with the Red Sox arms are doing, especially with some of these injuries? It sounds like Nathan Evaldi's issue, whatever it is, we don't entirely know what it is, but whatever it is, it sounds like is is a lot more complicated than initially thought. They've got Garrett Whitlock out of the rotation right as, as well right now, and yeah, you have some guys stepping up that maybe you didn't expect to, but is this something that they can continue to do, or is it just you know a week or two long hot stretch? That's what kind of worries me, and it worries mm-hmm. me that you know I, I still think they need to add pitching at the deadline. I wouldn't count on what you have now and roll with that. I still think you need to bolster these guys, but yeah, well, the bats have kind of been inconsistent and that is the biggest problem with this team is inconsistent offense. It's been the biggest problem all season. It's nice to to see the pitching staff pick up the slack and they deserve credit for that. Nathan Avaldi officially is still listed as lower back strain on the injured list, just uh, for those wondering, but as Alex points out, go ahead. You were going to say, we really don't know what it is. Oh, yeah. No, well, they, I, there's been some conflicting reports. I think I saw this yesterday. I think it was that it's his elbow now is the issue. And, and whether it's a new injury, whether it's, you know, was initially misreported, how, however you want to dispel it. It just the initial report was I remember when he went on is, oh, he's just it's going to be the DL stint and nothing else. We'll get him right back. And I think this is 10 days in and he's not even throwing. So there's something going on and it's not public. It could be any number of things. This isn't to say the Red Sox is being nefarious. We just don't know. The team's keeping close to the chest. There's something going on there. And anytime you have a major medical unknown with your, with the ACE, your pitching staff, yeah, it kind of raises the antennas a little bit. It's a reason. It's a legitimate reason for concern, at least until it gets resolved. Correct. The Red Sox right now have won three straight coming, going into Wednesday night's action at Fenway against Detroit. Seven of their last nine, they are a season high, seven above 500. The Red Sox are 15 and four in 19 games in the month of June, outscoring opponents 92 57 over that span. Since going 10 and 19 through May 8th, when everybody was jumping off the bandwagon, and I think at, for reasonable reasons, the Red Sox since that point are 28 and 12. They're playing 700 ball, and not just over. A short period of time over 40 games that's a quarter of the season right there 40 games and they are playing well, seven, 700 ball i'll just add to those numbers they've won their last six series now regardless of what happens against right. detroit on wednesday night with the two wins earlier in the week they've taken at least two or three in, in their last six that's consistency that's impressive the schedule that's coming up for the red sox after this homestand uh concludes um, against uh, the Detroit Tigers on yeah. uh, Thursday. They go to Cleveland for three games against the Guardians. Three, yeah. and they finally are back in the American League East playing a team in the AL East not named the Baltimore Orioles. They're playing the Toronto Blue Jays, the last team in the AL East that they played not named Baltimore. And that was way back, uh, as you mentioned, before we started this podcast on April 28th. You made a good point to me, Alex, off air, and I think it it bears repeating. The next, uh, I'd say, four weeks are really going to determine the Red Sox season. Now, we said that about their trip out west, and how did they respond? They went 9-1. and They cleaned up on the West Coast uh, road trip, or 8-2. and Uh, But they did an amazing job on the uh, West Coast road trip. 
now coming up with this stretch of games when they return um, to the American League East uh, next week. I think it's going to be uh, – we're going to find out a lot about this team. Well, I mean, this is it. This is it. Six of their next seven series in the division after the Cleveland series. And if you want to throw the Cleveland one in there as well for wild card ramifications, it's it's not a divisional series, but it's certainly not insignificant by any means. And by the way, after the six of the seven in the division, they get Cleveland again to wrap up, almost wrap up the month of July. The last three in July are against Milwaukee and interleague play. But I see that this is it. This is it right here. And it's not even, you know, when they went on that road trip, and, and we talked about this when they went on the 10-game road trip of we're going to learn a lot about this team. It felt like they could, could have gone 500 through that and, you know, just kind of plotted through it and, and still left the door open. If they mm-hmm. go 500 through this stretch, that's it. You know, there may be a wild card team, but if they want to catch, if they want to catch the Yankees, they have to dominate this stretch right here. You know, when you, you come out of the other side of it, and what I love about the way the schedule's set up for the Red Sox, yeah, they're 12 games back on the Yankees. They have 16 left. After that stretch is done, they'll still have 10 left against the Yankees. So you've got to cut that gap down to like six or seven during this stretch, including the six against the Yankees. You've got to take four of those. You've got to win the rest of the series. If they don't, if they like, all right, they're, what is it, 12 and a half back right now in the division. Yes. And in the wild card, they have a wild card spot, but they're half a game up on the final spot. If they come, if they're in that spot at the end of July, it doesn't feel great about investing a ton at the deadline. It doesn't because you're a fringe last playoff spot team. We've had like this discussion before, Alex, and I think the way Hein Bloom is building the roster, I don't know how much of their activity at the deadline is going to be relative to where they are in the standings in 2022 at the trade deadline. I think a lot of it could hinge on how can they build this roster going forward, regardless of where they are in the standings. And to me, that is the the, the question I really would love Heim Bloom to honestly answer, not give the answer that, you know, when he's asked on a press conference, that, that kind of question, which gets uh, asked a lot. I would love to honestly know how is he going to approach this trade deadline if the team is let's say two games out of a wild card spot and not realistically going to catch the Yankees how does he handle the trade deadline well I I would just say you know just just to go back to the original point real quick maybe the deadline was the wrong way to put that but there's a big difference between between being 12 and a half out in the division and half a game up on the last wild card spot in mid-June and those same numbers at the end of July, right? Completely right. different vibe. Right. They they can realistically come out of this stretch, especially because they play Toronto a couple times and Toronto's one of the teams ahead of them. They can come out of this stretch comfortably in a wild card spot and potentially closing in on the division, right? Right. Especially when it's so it's so crowded in the, in the American League. So that's kind of why I look at the, the, the significance of the stretch I think with the deadline, you're right. A lot of it depends, depends on what is the future for, for Xander Bogarts? What is the future for Raphael Devers? But where I think those bigger picture questions tie into this year, and we've talked about this before. I know it's going to sound a little repetitive. If you know one of those guys or both those guys are out the door, if you feel like this is the end of a window, you kind of have to get more aggressive. And it's easier to do that if you're in better position. 
So um, to our point about this stretch of games, the, there are two areas, Alex, that the Red Sox must improve in the division yes. for sure. Yes. They are seven and 14. That is just totally, totally unacceptable. As a matter of fact, it's clearly and by far and away the worst mark uh, in the division, worse than even Baltimore, which is 15 and 19. Uh, Toronto's 12 and 14 and the Yankees. And this shouldn't surprise anybody, given they've played everybody uh, incredibly well. They're 25 and 12 against the rest of the American League East. But the Red Sox going 7 and 14 in the division, that has to improve. And what we didn't see uh, in years past and we are seeing in the last couple of years, they're kind of mediocre at Fenway Park. And I don't quite get that. Do you? No, I, I, I don't. And it's upsetting. Right. They're 19 Fenway. and 16 at Fenway in 35 games. And and some of that is maybe they had a lot of home games early on the schedule and they just weren't clicking yet, but you got to win at home. Yeah. We just saw this with the Celtics in the playoffs, right? Like you yes. have to, yes, you make life a lot harder on yourself if you're not winning at home, the whole thing. And it's, you know, in baseball, it's even more so because the ballpark, you know, in basketball, the arena outside of the fans doesn't really make a difference in terms of the actual play on the field unless it's Denver with the altitude. In baseball, the ballpark's a major factor. And this team is supposed to be built for this ballpark. That was the first reaction we all had when they signed Trevor Story. Trevor Story, I was going to say. Fenway Park swing, right? It's a Fenway Park swing. They've got a bunch of ground ball pitchers uh, in the starting rotation. Those guys generally are, are better at Fenway Park than a fly ball pitcher on a night the wind is bad or you, you have them getting peppered off the wall or whatever, they should be succeeding at home. I'll give you, I just noticed this one other split two tracks. I'll throw at you. I didn't notice this. Okay. They're, they're split against, and this is an imperfect split, but against starting pitchers. Okay. Against right-handed starting pitchers. They are 26 and 27 against left-handed starting pitchers. They're 12 and four. Huh? I would not have known that. It's an interesting one. Uh, one, oh, one more, more. one more here while coming through it. They they were struggling in close games early in the year. They're 10 and 10 in one run games, but two and six in extra innings. I'll give you one more against teams All that right. are uh, 500 or better, 13 and 18. That again is not good. That's a bad, those three records that I just rattled off, they're uh, seven yeah. and 14 mark against the division. They're 19 yep. and 16 record at Fenway and they're 13 and 18 mark against teams better than 500. Those all have to improve uh, in the second half of the season. I'm not saying they can't, uh, they certainly can. They're, they are definitely playing better baseball and the schedule is scheduled. We've always heard that cliche in whatever sport it is. You've got to play the schedule. You got to do well against the poor teams. They're doing that, but they've got to pick it up against the division and against teams uh, that are better than average. He is Alex Barth. He does a great job covering all things Boston sports for 98.5, the sports hub. Follow him on Twitter at real Alex Barth. Our partners at bet online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and 
sports developments, including this year's NHL Stanley Cup Finals, Major League Baseball scores, all the latest fighting news, and even next year's early NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports uh, sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and much more. Head to the website, or as always, you can use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get the bonus and get into action. Bet online where the game starts. Back with Alex Barth of 98.5, the Sports Hub. I want to talk about the future, and we talk. We seem to talk about it every uh, week on the episode on the Red Sox beat. And I think that's a good thing, Alex. There is a lot to look forward to when you talk about this farm system. And, you know, there have been examples of players coming up and struggling a bit. Um, But when you take a look at the roster right now, uh, two guys to me really stick out in terms of what they're going to be able to do for this club this year. One is Jaron Duran. He is hitting 303. Uh, he doesn't have a home run, but he has contributed off the bench. And now uh, with Kiki Hernandez uh, on the 10-day injured list, um, he's going to get more playing time. And Rob Snyder, I love watching the guy play. I really, really do. And this will lead us into uh, another big prospect getting called up this week, uh, infielder Jeter Downs from AAA Worcester. What are your thoughts on, first of all, uh, Jaron Duran and Rob Snyder? I've always been a big Jaron Duran guy. I, I was in Lowell the summer he was there, and he led. I, I loved this stat. That season, he led all of baseball, like any level. Right. He led all of baseball in triples despite not starting the season until June because short season, right? Yeah. I, I think his combination of power and speed is rare. Um, he obviously there. he needs to kind of tune the finer points of his game. The strikeout number is still high. His, his instincts defensively aren't great, but he's a converted second baseman. He's only been an outfielder since 2018. So, you know, you kind of expect that coming along. Last year he came up, it didn't go great, but he's playing well right now. I think that's an excellent sign. This team needs speed. They they need some pop in the outfield. I, I think he's been a great fit. He's somebody I'm excited about going forwards. Rob Snyder to me, is more, how old is he? He's not that young, is he? I'd have to, uh, oh, he's 31. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's more like a journeyman player to me, but I think a nice piece of good, you know, utility bat, uh, to have on the roster. So yeah, it's good to see him kind of hitting a little bit. I just, I'm I'm a big Jaron Duran guy. Yeah. And I, and you have said that before on this podcast, uh, ref Snyder is 31. The, the play ref Snyder made in Seattle to me is really what ref Snyder is. I mean, he is all guts. Um, Total pure hustle, great clubhouse guy. Uh, guys really, um, I think, you know, swarm around him because of the positive energy he provides. Um, but on uh, Duran, you're right. He has struck out, uh, even though he's hitting 303, slashing 303, 378, 485. He has nine strikeouts uh, in just 33 uh, at-bats. That's, that, that ratio has to improve. Yeah, but I mean, we we've seen this happen with guys in the past. Like we talked about some of the last podcast, Rafael Devers is a guy who struck out a ton when he first came into the league, and he was able to get that down. So you hope he can just bring it down. And the the uh, like you just mentioned there, he's still hitting three hundred three. I don't have his bad bip in front of me. I don't know if you have that, but when he gets his bat on the ball, 
good things happen. It's just a matter of making that happen more often than not. I know what the bad bit is, but I do not have that in front of me. Um, And also, we need to talk about uh, the big news this week. Jeter Downs uh, being recalled from AAA Worcester. 23 years of age. He's played in 53 games for Worcester this year, including 52 starts at short. He is tied for the team lead in stolen bases with 11, ranked second in home runs with 11, which is a, a remarkable number. And runs scored 35, one of only two players in the International League with at least 10 home runs and 10 steals, ranked by MLB.com as the Red Sox number five prospect. This is Down's first appearance on any active major league roster. What was your what were your biggest takeaways when this news was announced um, on Monday? Well, third of three prospects from the the Mookie Betts trade to be called up. I there's you know he kind of figures to be they have that revolving door at second base obviously it's Trevor Story this year but if he's gonna move to short and Xander Bogarts is gonna walk that kind of continues he projects to be the long-term fill there timing's probably about right for him to come up I don't love that they're having him play third base in his debut a position he's never played since high school this is a team that as we've seen in the past, just doesn't care about defensive alignment. They just no, want to they put the best not. players out there That's on the field. Good. So I guess, I guess it is what it is. I, I, I don't love dinking around with the players development like that. I guess if it's one game, so be it, but it's his first game. It's a big game, but I'm happy to see him up. It, it's, it's, it's cool to see him up and kind of get this full picture now of the best trade to me. When you look at it, at, at the move, the Mookie bets trade, there's a trade within that. And if you remember the original deal, they were always going to get Alex Verdugo, the Red Sox. Yeah. But the original deal was was Alex Verdugo and, and a reliever, Bruce Dar Gratterall. Yeah. And who was going to come from the Twins? It was going to be a three way deal. And then basically what happened was there was an issue with Gratterall's medicals, yes. and the Red Sox said no, we don't want him. So instead, the Dodgers kept because again it was a three way deal. They kept Gratterall, and instead they sent Downs and Connor Wong, the catcher who's been up. Um, has been used as kind of an emergency third catcher at times. And that, I said this at the time, and I still believe it, the really fascinating thing to me about the Mookie Betts trade is that trade. You know, five years from now, would you rather have Bruce Dark Ratterall or would you rather have Jeter Downs and Connor Wong? And to this point, like I said, Connor Wong's been kind of up and down. Gratterall's been excellent in the back end of the Dodgers bullpen. Yes. And we've talked, we've talked about uh, ad nauseum. The Red Sox need that back-end bullpen help. He's a power pitcher, throws triple digits, all of that. I, it, you know, Jeter Downs was the better prospect of the two, you know, between him and Connor Wong. Yep. He's the one who can really even that scale. So can he do that all tonight in his debut? No, but it just kind of is a convenient point to kind of reset that narrative of this is the way you look at that deal. And here's the guy that it's really on. Here's the guy that the onus is on to prove high and bloom right when he passed on the opportunity to add Bruce Dar Gratterall. Great point by you, Alex Barth. Uh, I want to talk about the bullpen before we get out of here. And uh, John Schreiber, uh, we mentioned uh, at the top of the podcast. By the way, re- sorry to cut you off real yeah. quick. Uh, Jaron Duran's BABIP this year yes. is 417. Now, explain Excellent. to people why the BABIP is important. It does have to do with expected batting average no nope, no nope. there's no expected or anything it's not a balls random math play. formula it's a real thing it's your batting average on balls put in play so basically when you don't strike out 
Yeah. And it does also take out home runs because they're technically not in play. But when you don't strike out and you don't hit home runs, basically when you put the ball, when you get the bat on the ball, you right. put it in the field of play, how often do you get a hit? When you make contact, how often does that have a positive result? So for, for Jaron Duran, when he gets the bat on the ball, 42% of the time, something good happens. That That's a very good number for that stat. So obviously strikeouts bring that down, but what, the way you can use that stat, and everybody knows me, I'm not a big analytics guy. I don't consider BABIP analytics. It's concrete information. You're not making anything up. You're not putting two things together that don't relate. What, what that tells me is Jaron Duran's a guy. When he puts the bat on the ball, good things happen. If he starts doing that at a higher rate, if he can cut down on the strikeouts and be more disciplined, his batting average is probably going to improve. He's not going to hit 417. Right. Right. But it's going to improve. So I just that that's a really encourage. I didn't realize it was that high. I thought it was like 370, 380. That's a really encouraging number for him. All right. Um, the bullpen. I think the improvement of the bullpen has been a big reason for uh, why the Red Sox have been able to win a lot more one run games of like John Schreiber has been a huge part of that. He entered with two outs in the ninth inning on Tuesday night to earn his second career save. Um, both occurring this year. He has not allowed a run over 10 June outings, eight and two thirds innings. What have your, been your biggest takeaways watching John Schreiber pitch? I, I think he's a guy that stays very level headed. I don't think he's the moment you know, doesn't like, get too big. The moment or too small. I think there's sometimes guys come in and it's like a eight two lead and they get kind right. of casual with it. Good point. Like he, he seems to have the same demeanor and the Red Sox had a lot of those guys, by the way. You remember Matt Barnes couldn't complete three run saves. Yes. That was like this yes. weird thing where like, yes. it's a one I or do. two run game. He was fine with a three run game. He would have like, it's not, it's not a great trait to have. He right. seems to take the same demeanor to the mound. And I shouldn't say he's not emotional. I, he gets fired up out there, which you love to see, but he takes the same demeanor, I think to every appearance. And Maybe again, but that Barnes thing and other guys, maybe I'm just scarred as a Red Sox fan. I'm putting too much stock into that, but I don't know. It's been refreshing to see for me. All right. Schreiber's numbers. Um, he is two and oh, but those aren't really where you judge him. You don't even right. judge him on the 0.84 ERA, which is sensational. Let's face it. It's the whip 0.750. He has allowed just two earned runs in 21 in a third innings with the Red Sox. 11 hits um, over those 21 innings. He's been spectacular. Then you, uh, somebody else, you know, I, I, I want to get your read on and, and your impression on Tyler Danish. 2-0, 386. He's appeared in 21 games for the Red Sox. 0.974 whip. So the two guys that I've just mentioned, Tyler Danish and John Schreiber, the only guys uh, in the, on, the, on the staff who have pitched in more than um, let's say 15 games um, are the only guys with whips sub one. Right. And for Danish to me, like with Schreiber, he's just been good. This is how I say Danish hasn't been good, but I look at it. He's still given up 21 hits in 25 innings and four he's home runs. Right. He's just aggressive. He, his strikeout to walk ratio is 21 to four. So, He's just like, like, I, I think what Schreiber's doing is more sustainable. He's really pitching. I think Danish is just going at hitters and it's working for him right now. I don't know that what he's doing is as sustainable as what some of these other guys are doing. One more thing we're going to wrap up with. Uh, I am a little bit concerned. Can the starting rotate is what the starting rotation is doing with Chris sale coming back. He's waiting in the wings. 
Um, could be next week, could be week and a half, correct? That's where we're at with Chris Sale. Should be pretty soon. Um, yep. They're going to need him because Nick Pavetta, Rich Hill, and Michael Waka right now are your three starters who are projected starters um, with uh, both Nate Evaldi and Garrett Whitlock on the injured list. For what, that Toronto series or just top or, three starters? No, just those top three starters going forward. In other words, the Red Sox, I think, are going to get tested in a big, big way coming up in the next couple of weeks, going on that stretch of games, as we said, returning to the American League East after three games this weekend with Cleveland. Yeah, and I guess I would, would add to that, and this is something we've talked about before, I'm not opposed to them not waiting to July 31st to make a move. Even once Whitlock comes back, and it sounds like he's going to be back in time, they're still going to be stretched pretty thin. We don't know what's going on with Evaldi. Even when Evaldi does come back, I still like Sale in the bullpen. I'm not totally opposed to Whitlock going back in the bullpen. You, you got to play to win this next month and a half. You've right? got to have starting you, pitching, though, Alex. I mean, who's going to start if you don't go out well, and make a Go ahead. So, no, so that's that. No, but that's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, don't, if you know you need starting pitching anyway, why wait until the deadline? By the time right. you get to the deadline, this thing could right. be over. So, this is where I, I talked about this, I don't remember, last week or two weeks ago. Don't wait till July 31st to make the deal. If you know there's a starter that you, you think it makes sense to add to your team, and you think you can get them, what's the wait at this point? The one other name I'd throw out mm-hmm. is Brian Bello had another great start last night. Or I don't think he started. He threw, it was weird. He threw like the second to the eighth inning. They, they had somebody throw an inning before him, but seven innings, five hits, no runs, one walk, seven strikeouts. His ERA is now down below two for the season. Or, or down, yeah, down below two. So is the opposing batting average. I'm trying to find his whip, and I don't have it exactly in front of me. Yeah, but don't worry about it. He's, I mean, he's younger. He's 23, but he's rolling. He can't get much hotter than he is. I, maybe they they don't feel like he's ready just yet, but the circumstances may kind of force their hand. I wouldn't hate seeing him at some point here. I maybe you look at that Cubs series, the one series that's not against the division in that stretch to get a more of a low pressure start. Yep. But I think we, it's, you know, everybody was wondering when's Tristan Casas coming up? When's Tristan Casas coming up? And now that, you know, you're getting some production from, from the first base position for the first time all season, but it's finally coming. They have a platoon there and Bobby Dalbick starting to hit a little bit. Franchi Cordero has been refreshing. I think that energy shifts to Brian Bayo and is Brian Bayo going to get a shot here in the next month or two? because I think that the timing might be right. He is Alex Barth. He does a terrific job covering all things Boston sports for 98.5, the sports hub. Follow him on their website, 98.5, the sportshub.com. Also follow him on Twitter. I want to thank you, Alex, for joining me as always, uh, always bringing the energy and the info to the table. You do a a job like that better than anybody in Boston. I mean that, buddy. All right. I pumped you. you up. Yeah, I love it. After I f- was just blanking on names for that last segment. There. So, so you'll come back and do this podcast again. That's the whole, you idea. know, I will. He is, he is Alex Barth. Want to thank Alex for joining uh, me on the Red Sox beat podcast. Also want to thank our terrific sponsor, betonline.ag. for Alex Barth. 
I'm Mike Petralia, and this has been the Red Sox Beat Podcast powered by CLNS Media.